Welcome to the Coven Collective Podcast, hosted by Melissa Johnson, Molly Mitchell Hartfield, and Pilar Brooks. We are three trained psychotherapists, intuitive healers, and practicing witches, here to offer tools to deepen and expand your psychic life. May we serve as channels for divine consciousness to come through in the transmission of this podcast. May the message be in service to the deepest roots and highest expansion of the collective. May we embody this guidance. Aho, blessed be. Let it be so. We're here. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Made it. So today we're gonna talk about dreams. I know. I'm excited to talk about dreams because I feel like this is a really accessible and like common theme. Mm -hmm. And just like people that are um, interested in engaging with unconscious material. Because mm-hmm. um, we all dream every night, um, whether we remember the dreams or not. Uh, our, our unconscious is always working and working with dreams can be a really, really cool way, um, really accessible way to interact with the things that are trying to come through. Yeah. So, yeah. And I know for, you know, the three of us, um, even just beginning, uh, before we hit record where we were just sharing some dreams as we usually do with one another, I feel like that's been the staple of our relationship too, since pretty much like day one knowing one another. Yeah. We all have a very strong connection to our dream life. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, maybe starting with our personal connections, like what dreams mean to us. Mm. And, and how did we learn to work with them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I I used to keep a dream journal as a child. Like I've always mm. felt this just intuitive connection to them and I just felt like there was some magic and just something to them. Um, when I was little, what I wanted to do when I grew up was to invent like a way to record dreams, but like in a video, like as if it was a movie, Mm. but alas, technology is not quite there. Um, and then as a teenager, I had a little dream encyclopedia thing, which, you know, like from our perspective now is reductionistic and we can get into that, but I do feel like that helped me establish a groundwork for interacting with my dreams and um yeah just being curious and into the meaning of what they mean right yeah I really love Melissa that um your way even since like as a child of sort of intuitively connecting to your dream life was through journaling Mm. and because and it's just interesting because I know I know for me 
what how my dreams came alive for me when I was a kid was sharing them at breakfast mm. with my sister or with my mom and like that process of having it you know witnessed or heard or just like he, even just hearing my own voice say mm. them out loud like made them sort of come alive I think that's so important and something that is so missing is, is telling our dreams in the morning. That yeah. used to be a part of many cultural practices. It was just right. a part of life to speak your dreams to each other in the morning. Yeah, there's something about speaking it out that's really powerful. Yeah. Like that storytelling aspect that's so ancient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is touching on the part of how you know, anyone who asks themselves, what does my, what do my dreams mean? Like that's echoing an ancient question that has been asked since the beginning of humanity. Yeah. And there's always been these rituals and ways to, to um, connect to that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about this, you know, early this morning and writing down my own dream from last night of like, how, how just like, you know, imagining like prehistoric times and sort of, you know, the wake of like human tribes and, and, you know, collective living and, and all that. And how there must've not been a difference between dream life and waking life Mm. and, and how like, you know, even just the, I know that uh, Stephen Eisenstadt, one of our professors at Pacifica, mentioned this in our in our dream tending course of like the world is dreaming, right? Everything, everything is dreaming. Everything is dreaming. I love it, that idea. Me too. It's like just that I almost like animistic idea that like everything is alive, which you know is true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In in Aboriginal uh, mythology, they believe that um, in, in their creation myth, the ancestors that created the world, they call that place the dream time. Mm. And then they believe that in their dreams, they enter into that time, which isn't in the past. It's like a continuing reality on another plane mm. where they enter into this realm where they can communicate with their ancestors and visit that dream they call it the dream time of just like this parallel reality kind of that makes me kind of want to share this quote can i share the so this quote comes from um the book called the lament of the dead um which is a commentary between james james hillman and um i might butcher this name but sonu shan shan and they're talking about the Red Book. Um, it's really interesting. Um, and so what they're referencing here is basically like that the dead or our ancestors are actually who are animating us and giving us our lives and giving us our dreams. So this is the quote um, James Hinlin says, but the questions, Jung says there that we think the figures we uncover in our dreams or an active imagination are the result of us. But he says we are the result of them. Them meaning the figures, but the figures being from our ancestors. Mm -hmm. Our life should be derived from them. We just think of it wrong. 
We think whatever comes to us comes to us as something left over from, as Freud said, Taj's rest, the residues of the day, images that are composite stuff, garbage from life. But Jung is saying these figures come to us in our dreams and even our thoughts derive from these figures. So the task would be uncovering the figures, which seems to be what the Red Book does. He allows the figures to speak, to show themselves. He even encourages them to do so. And then uh, Sonu says, descending into his own depths, he finds images that in a sense have preceded him. It is a descent into human ancestry. Mm. So that kind of reminded me of what you were saying, Melissa, of like, you know, that it perhaps is another realm. Yeah, and this connection with not necessarily the past, but it, like almost the future too. Yeah. You know, like that it can give advice for the future. And that kind of highlights the difference between Freud and Jung in that Freud believed that the unconscious was kind of just like this dumping ground. But Jung, um, Jung saw some, some like creative potential there. Um, he said that like one way that Jung would work with or would approach dreams is that it they brought a balance to waking life Mm. like as if it it, like your dreams are a part of your life and they bring to waking life Mm. compensatory right that was his ideas that dreams were compensatory to waking yeah yeah exactly so it is like it's not it's a part of life. It's just like the balance to the conscious, the waking life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like to think I, w- I was just exploring this with a client um, earlier this week and how, and how our, our, when we're dreaming, our unconscious and conscious self, the, the boundary that keeps them quote unquote separate um, is blurred when we're sleeping. So, so the two communicate with one another um, in a different way than, you know, we would when we're awake or when we're doing our, you know, when we're at work or when we're driving. And one could say that, yes, your unconscious is always, always working. But what's so fascinating about dream time is that there's a certain element of surrender that our consciousness has to do um, in order for us to get the full rest but that's also when the unconscious is still working it's still there it's still emotions or sensations or relationship dynamics or I mean you name it is all sort of at work uh, whether we're sleeping or awake Um, so I really I really like that at least for me, it, it, it really deeply resonates of like the, the fuzziness of the mm-hmm. line, the barrier. Um, yeah. That's- I have kind of like um, just circling back to like our relationships with dreams. Cause mine feels different from you guys in that I, I feel like I just grew up in a household that was very secular. Like it just very evidence-based, very scientific and, uh, which, you know, has its great qualities, but the dream world was not like something we talked about, explored. I remember actually specifically in my undergraduate um, studies, 
as a psychology major, they were like, if you want to learn about dreams, like this is the wrong major. Like the psychology has nothing to do with dreams. Like I, and you know, I remember that day, it was like a bit of a loss of, I want to say loss of innocence, but it really like deflated me because it just felt wrong. That's so (laughs) crushing. Yeah. My undergraduate psychology program was very much the same way. So just anyone out there who is studying psychology undergraduate uh, in their undergraduate program, (laughs) that is not all there is to the field. Totally. I remember when I discovered like Pacifica, I was, it just reignited my passion and love for psychology that I've always had. Um, but I think for me, like, I didn't remember my dreams for years, you mm-hmm. know, like, I think I did in childhood, but there was like a long period of time where I just didn't remember my dreams. And it was also a time where I was really depressed and I was mm-hmm. going through really intense, um, heavy, dark depression And I think in so many ways that depression was a call to slow down and actually make contact with my unconscious and make conscious contact with the unconscious. Um, And I think sometimes that can be what depression is for people is that there isn't an acknowledgement of, of what's going on in the unconscious. It's like Mm -hmm. a denial or a suppression repression. Um, so depression, literally. Yeah, exactly. Right. Depressing that whole inner, inner world. Um, and so when I consciously started to, um, really like want to interact with my dreams, I was ready. I, I really wanted to have a relationship with my dreams. Um, and this goes into the idea of like, how do you remember your dreams? Cause I didn't for so long. And I felt like, well, you know, that's a bummer. I, there's this whole thing that I just can't even work with. And for me, what worked was, um, before bed, like, you know, tapping my third eye and really saying like, I want to remember my dreams. Like I'm ready. I'm open. I want to remember my dreams. And then in the morning, laying in bed before really like getting up or like not getting up to an alarm, like on days, maybe like the weekend at that time when I didn't wake up for an alarm, I would be able to start, you know, recalling some images and then it just started getting bigger and more rich. And then I could write them down and, you know, and now it's like, I take them to my union therapist every week and, you know, it's such a rich relationship, but. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. I think, that's such a beautiful segue into, um, you know, we, we came into this week's episode with some questions that we've heard, you know, whether from clients or friends or family members, or even just our own questions from, you know, before taking this into study is, you know, like one of our questions that we listed that we've been asked is, you know, how do we remember our dreams? How do you even you know, okay, like maybe you're gung ho with the idea of like, okay, we're always dreaming or I had this dream like years ago that I had, but I don't really like interact or remember my dreams. And there are so many different ways to connect with, um, you know, these, these deeper and what I also, you know, consider to be sacred parts of ourselves. Um, but that I also want to remind everyone, and at least I found, I don't know about, you know, you two, but it's, it's so, um, it's such an individual process mm-hmm. for each person because 
it's almost like, I know for me, it sometimes almost feels like a prayer. Like before I go to bed, like if I'm really needing some guidance or I'm needing some inspiration or maybe I need, frankly, a break from dream world, like I will ask my psyche, I'll ask like sacred, I'll ask the infinite space or realms of like, please give me a dream tonight or can you support me tonight? Can you, um, you know, help my heart answer this question that's been Mm -hmm. weighing on it or, you know, like saying, and I guess I'm answering the question of how I relate it to myself is how do I remember my dreams? It's sort of praying before I go to bed, um, asking psyche, uh, and then also just working with them every day and making it part of my morning practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it doesn't happen every single day. I'm a normal human being. Like we have other things that distract us from these kinds of practices, but um, also writing them down. Mm-hmm. Like, not typing, not like voice memo, but like actual like pen to paper. Um, that has been a way, at least for me, that, that dreams have, um, become a little more like alive in my, my waking consciousness. Yeah. For someone who thinks that they don't dream or that never remembers their dream. First of all, we all dream. I think they say like four to five times a night. Um, But the very first question I would ask yourself really is, do you want to remember your dreams? Mm. Oh, I love that. Mm. And then from there, if, if the answer is yes, then to get a journal and like even just that action of getting a journal specifically for your dreams and putting it beside your bed is it's really like a symbol or like a it's a gesture to the unconscious that I want to interact like I want a relationship and that it, it really does open things up. Mm-hmm. I also think that like the unconscious wants to be seen and explored and and wants a relationship with you. Totally. You know, and I think it gets our attention in myriad ways. um, And that kind of like, I mean, I don't know if I want to segue quite into this, but um, a lot of people have recurring dreams and that's another way of psyche being like, I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. Um, Please listen. Um, yeah. Yeah, those reoccurring dreams um and like even just even just dreams that sort of seem like mundane. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you for you guys but I find those to be really really interesting because um it's like a I don't I don't even know if I can quite describe it yet but even just dreams where you just wake up and you're like, what? Like I was a snowflake or something. Like it's just, you know, just these. Or dreams that you think you, you're like, oh, I know what that means. Mm. Like Young said that dreams will always tell us something we don't know. Mm, right. right? Cause it's, it's the unconscious. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, if you think, you know, like just leave it open because the unconscious is what you don't know by definition. And then the piece of like that we're really like in some ways it's um, 
you're not meant to interpret your dreams. It's like sticking mm-hmm. to the image as Hillman says, and as Jung said, like that that can take the aliveness out of it and the multidimensionality out of it that, you know, you can have a hundred different people interpret your dreams. You can interpret your dream and it's still going to have a hundred different meanings or mm-hmm. more, you know? And so to keep that like essential aliveness there in, in some way, like it's fun to interpret dreams and it can bring it. I think I find it like, as you amplify it, just create some space for it to breathe and open and for some like uh, conscious ego understanding to happen, but to hold it lightly, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. always holding it so lightly. Cause I think, especially in this culture, we have the tendency to want to concretize. Yeah. Is that it? We, we also have a tendency to want to know what it means right away. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I know my ego, Yes. And I know, you know, I have such a specific memory of this being in high school, being with my best friend, Mary, and talking about our dreams. And we always used to like get into astrology and and all this stuff. And we used to have first period together and we would talk about our dreams together and we'd go straight to the computer lab and look up what, like on like dreaminterpretation.com and right. like look up what the symbol means and I just want to stop everyone from doing that because that goes back that's like it's just allowing someone else to to bring in their idea of what that particular symbol means and it's mm-hmm. such an individual process and it's a process that works on you mm-hmm. like a relationship that you have with the image and it morphs into other things and it, it they can be so incredibly insightful um if you have that relationship and give them time and yeah. like allow that space allow that space to happen um because even that part of the relationship is is half of the work Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me though, I do find that looking up symbols is a way to explore into it mm-hmm. a little bit more. So, yeah, there's a book maybe maybe something more like less concretized, less reductionistic. There's a book called I think the Book of Symbols. We can link it in the yeah. resources. Like that's a great one. Um, yeah, like I find that it can deepen the relationship. But I think the point you're making is not to just jump and label something right. like I think this is Steven Eisenstadt's idea. It might be Hillman um, that you, uh, you treat the symbols that appear in your dreams as if it's a guest um, coming to your house, mm. right? Like they knock on your door and even if it's someone that uh, like an old friend that, you know, from way back, a dream symbol that's been with you for a long time, you don't open the door and, just tell them exactly who they are. You invite them in, mm. you see where they're at today, you know, mm. see what's up for them. It's beautiful. And, yeah. and maybe it's a stranger. You're absolutely, it's the first time the symbols come to you. You're, you're definitely not going to just define them and tell them who they are, right? Totally. There's yeah. Relationship with the symbol. Totally. Thank you for making that point. I think that is, yeah, that's, that is so spot on. Um, because I think, I, I think what the 
you know, the Googling of, you know, what does it mean when I dream about a monkey, like kind of thing. Those answers that are so easily available to us are trying, I think, to translate like this archetypal material mm-hmm. to us and, and give us that, you know, that answer that we're searching for. Like I'd have this weird dream. What does it mean that a monkey was in my dream? Let me Google it. Like, of course, that's what we do with everything else in our life. But in particular with, with dreams, there is just so much and it's so changing. Like you said, it, it, it morphs from day to day. And I think that that question of, I love what you said, Melissa, of like checking in with like, what is, where are we at today? Like, Mm -hmm. what does it feel like today? If I'm having this dream over and over and over, and it's the same monkey that shows up over and over and over, it could be different every single Mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, I guess the premise of dream interpretation is that dreams speak to us in a language, in a different language. And that language is symbol and image and affect right Um, so it's like learning learning to decipher that language and i also feel like our dream symbols we have our own personal mythology of the symbols that show up which is connected to the collective unconscious on some level but it's also you know like me dreaming of an owl might be very different for some stockbroker dreaming of an owl, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they, every, like for animal, for example, has kind of a cultural uh, folklore attached to it, right? Mm-hmm. But, and they also have like scientific facts about them. Like an owl is nocturnal, you know? That can be a way of opening into right. the symbol and what it means and like how does that feel for me mm-hmm. personally yeah. what's your relationship you know, with what's my relationship with yeah. that yeah with that energy that nocturnal energy um as opposed to somebody else right yeah I find too like in in my own kind of interpreting and being able to get like at least start to kind of amplify and open these uh, symbols and images I have to be in a certain mind space like my my like getting things done like out there in the world persona self like does not know how to interpret dreams but it's like you have to almost like um relax and like soften the edges of the ego to almost like re-enter a dreamlike space in order for the for me at least and i imagine most people for those images to start to like come alive again and um reveal their depth and meaning um and i always find it so fascinating when i'm sort of circumnavigating a dream in therapy and i get so surprised by it you know i get so surprised by like um sometimes feeling almost like high mm-hmm. after you know, moving into these dream images because it is a shift in consciousness. I think that's what I'm pointing to. Like I have to have a shift in consciousness in order to really like get the sense of what's going on in the dreams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's also partly why writing it down when you first wake up is so important because you're still sort of in that lucid zone. 
you still haven't lost it hasn't gone back down yet yeah sometimes another like little tool sometimes what I do is like I'll, I'll stay laying down and like just kind of replay the dream. And in that liminal space, I still have so much more access to like mm-hmm. what the actual, actual message is. So I'll ask, I'll be like, well, what does this mean? And then I'll get the download right there, you know? Yeah. And that feels really cool. Sometimes I can't hold on to the download, you know, as I like move into the day, but, um, but that, that, that it's a more, feels more available there when you're kind of like in the in-between. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are such great points. I I know that, you know, I'm just imagining for the listener who's sort of new to dreams or new to the whole concept of like creating that kind of um, softened space is pro- it it may be a newer state of consciousness for them. So then what are then, then sort of like, how do, where do you begin? You know, how do you, how do you begin for, for you listener listening where, what softens your edges? What, what allows you to drop into your body to your heart? Is it taking a bath? Is it, you know, right before you grab the coffee, sit down for a few moments and, breathe or is it after meditation or after like maybe you need to get out the excess energy in your body and you know go for a workout or yoga class and then come back and you know it's again I just want to heighten the the importance of how how individual that process is for everyone and also normalizing that like one way that I take care of myself could totally not work for you and and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great points. Yeah, with um, for for you guys, I want to check in. I mean, I know you guys touched in a little bit, but what? How do you guys take care of yourselves when, like, a disturbing image or disturbing dream or like mm-hmm. even nightmare comes through? One of the things that really grounds me is um, a, a Jungian idea and concept that the perspective that you should be the most um, suspicious of is the dream ego. So like the dream ego is the, the one you're identifying as in the dream. And that if you kind of take yourself out of that perspective, because you could have have someone pursuing you and like that's objectively quite scary um and if you can take yourself out of the perspective of the dream ego out of the fear and maybe try to look at it through the pursuer's eyes it could be a whole other reason why they're pursuing you they might have a message for you they're really needing to tell you and they're running after you and you're like oh my god you know um so that backgrounds me when something's really scary you know, um, just to get like a little, get under the fear by looking through other perspectives. Mm-hmm. And then just like kind of another thought on that is, um, in the Jungian cosmology, um, every figure in your dream is a part of you. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. So it's an image of your psyche going on inside of you. And I think um, we can really easily like literalize and be like, oh, I dreamed about my mom and I'm wondering, is there something wrong or whatever? Um, And that it's not like necessarily your literal mom, but the inner mother and how that's being, how your psyche is imaging, like maybe mothering energy. Um, I, that's a, that's something that has come up a lot in terms of people's questions, like mm-hmm. how dreams work, you know, they're, they're all you. Mm, that's yeah. Really piece. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, Pilar, about nightmares or scary images. Um, one, one thing I find really helpful working with my own nightmares, especially if it's a recurring nightmare, um, which often recurring dreams are nightmares oftentimes, um, is to, I guess, well, okay, so this brings in lucid dreaming, which I should probably define. Um, It's something people always ask me about. People seem really interested in lucid dreaming, and it sounds really alluring and like this special skill, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's what it really is is just... um, an awareness that you are dreaming while you're dreaming. And then on top of that, it can, it can grow to be like, you're able to influence your dream in the dream with that level of awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but for m- my own practice in dreaming, when I have a nightmare um, or yeah, like a scary image, it's to face, not to run from it, to face mm-hmm. whatever's scary. And it always transforms every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, turn toward it. To surrender into, um, into whatever's scary. And also that happens to me with like falling dreams. If I'm falling, mm-hmm. I can go into the lucid mode and like make myself fly instead. And then I, you know, it kind of saves it. But I found it most helpful to surrender to the falling and see what happens. Mm. Not... To, to not have your ego control the dream, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Right, which is, I think, maybe like a caveat with lucid dreaming is that you can get into dream world and then start controlling stuff. Totally. And that's not really the point. It's mm-hmm. actually kind of the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, those, are, those are great, great points. I, I know that with nightmares... Um, I mean, nightmares are really scary. I, I know for me, I've had dreams where I'm like shot out of bed and like screaming in tears and, or like had full on sleep paralysis where I like, I'm not in my body and I don't like, I'm trying to wake myself up. So I'm trying to run out of this dream world. Um, Mm. And just, it feels like eternity, like trying to wait for my body to wake up. And yeah, get- that's another one where people, you often try and wake yourself up if it's scary. Mm-hmm. And instead to just stay there, and totally. which can be so difficult, but I've found yeah. really transformative. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm that brave yet to like choose uh, or at least like lean into the fear as I'm dreaming or as I'm in that like lucid space I know for me at least right now in my journey I feel way more safer sort of 
outside the dream space and then to problem mm. that after. Mm. Well, the ego's not comfortable in the unconscious. Yeah, I know, man. It's it's really uh, it can be really really jolting. I know. Um, my I had a Jungian therapist while I was still in LA a few years ago who I worked probably the, like the most in depth with my nightmares with. And she started every one of those sessions where I was like, all right, I had a nightmare or I had two nightmares or I had the same one again or any of that. She would always start with like, what or who was your resource in the dream? Hmm. Who was your ally? Mm-hmm. And starting there. And I found that, so deeply resonated especially with you know the whole somatic experiencing modality and my background in that and how nightmares and trauma can feel so similar yeah. and when we work with trauma you don't go straight in right, right away right. you know sometimes you can't sometimes you, you're not ready for that yet so i know for me like starting out with a resource and like yeah. Who was my ally in that dream? That's a great question. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And like, sometimes it takes it. I remember with one nightmare in particular, it took like three sessions for me to like really dig into the dream, try to uh, temporarily look away from the scary factor of the dream and find, find the structure, the place, the smell, the anything in the dream that actually felt like it was like neutral land, Mm. like neutral space or was helpful space. And then um, what was so beautiful is that then we started to like titrate between the resource, the, the, the safe place or the person or character or whatever in that nightmare. And then the terror aspect of the, of of that nightmare and that that at least for me has has been like the ticket for me and then working with nightmares on my own Mm -hmm. and you know some of them of course I'm like still bringing the therapy but there and I'm not having nightmares that that much right now but I know in like a super you know dark time in my life a few years ago uh it, it was very beneficial to have that in, like to only process that in a contained space mm. and to yeah. tolerate between the, it's a good, the two images. Of, uh, mm-hmm. Advice or yeah. to, it's helpful to have someone. Yeah. And, and like, it's always there, you know, even if we don't notice it, um, you know, I, I remember having this dream like in this like gooey wet like basement and like it was a maze and I was trying to get out of it and I couldn't get away from like the the smell of the place like I just like whenever I thought of that dream I was like I cannot get that like smell and the feeling of what that place felt like and my resource was the water like Mm -hmm there was dripping water from this fountain that when I tapped into symbolized that like, well, the water's coming from somewhere Mm. and the water felt like it was um, like nourishment for me in that basement element, Mm. you know, Um, like it, it was giving me hydration to like deal with this basement gooeyness. 
So I know, mm. you know, at least for me, that was, that was really helpful. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then of course, like retouching on how the nightmare image always shifts and right. like working through uh, nightmares and also, you know, like series of nightmare images have turned into like some of my biggest medicines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's like the word that was just on like the tip of my mind was yeah. like that all these dreams are medicines from psyche, you know, that yeah. just like being handed to us to, um, to be able to take. And because really like at the end of the day, psyche wants to be whole and psyche mm-hmm. wants to be in harmony and our dreams are part of that, you know, um, that, that working through and working around. Yeah. Yeah. Medicine. Medicine. I know. It it makes me also want to segue to one of our other questions is also one that I get a lot. Um, And it's, and it's a particular kind of dream. Like, what does it mean if I keep dreaming about my ex? (laughs) I know we've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) And, and what does, yeah, what does that symbolize? Um, I know that sometimes that can cause some like worry if you're mm-hmm. in the dream world, like, oh, I'm not over them, or uh, they're still like taunting me in my own mind, or I can't like stop thinking about them, or I'm still in love with them, or like I'm still caught in this like cycle with this ex lover um, or ex partner or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the idea of every symbol in your dream is a part of you. Right. So I would ask what, like, what does this person bring up in you? Is it a feeling of insecurity? Is it a feeling um, of love? You know, like what, what aspect of yourself do they bring out? yeah one way to start and to piggyback off of that like what are your associations to this person because it could be more symbolic representation of um you know let's say it's you know an ex-male lover like it could be a representation of your more masculine aspects mm-hmm. parts that you haven't integrated and that's why it continues to come through and mm-hmm. um there's also like in the Jungian cosmology again, like the idea of the anima and animas. Mm. And so it, that's just a fancy way of saying like the inner masculine and feminine, um, but also like the, the soul. And mm. so like, it could be that big of a figure inside and it could not be. Um, but yeah, I think those are like good ways to start to, uh, open yeah thanks for bringing that up the inner masculine and feminine that's really important yeah yeah and like what you've projected onto this person is really a part of you right right yeah yeah Yeah, i i see also the connection with you know our relationships and working life with specifically like romantic partners and or lovers and how uh, have you guys heard of that 
that uh, sort of spin on the word intimacy is like into me, I see. Mm. Right. And how, you know, so much of our conscious, like our, our psyche, our, our very like, you know, human ego parts of us, uh, like almost need to uh, project some aspects of our own psyche onto the partner for us to see back at ourselves. But what gets tricky is that, you know, our, our egos tend to glom onto that, like, yes, I'm feeling that great feeling because it's that person. It's like, well, yes, it could be. It could be. Um, and it could be also both. Right. It could be a whole microcosm of, you know, your whole maybe like family lineage, like getting projected onto this one partner. And it's sort of, it, it, it's the same thing in dream and how, you know, we're, we're projecting these elements of ourselves onto these dream figures. And in particular, if we're dreaming about an ex-partner, we're, and, and we're in the dream, we're, we are face to face with ourselves. We're face to face with that aspect of ourselves that's projected onto that person. Um, And it's a really, you know, just interesting, fascinating thing to also think about that, how that's true in real life, how that's true in our waking life relationship with, with others. This makes me want to bring into the mix um, the idea of like um, active imagination and how active imagination is a great tool to um, amplify dreams in waking life. Mm. Um, so you could take the dream figure of the X and dialogue with it, like actually write down a dialogue, like, you know, this, whatever their name is, says this. And then you say that and kind of like, again, blur the edges of the ego and kind of allow whatever to come through to come through. Um, and then, another great tool is to write that person's name down and then just write down all your associations, you know? And when you go back in the dream, as you're reading it, rather than saying their name, um, you put one of the associations there and it's like, okay, then how does that shift the dialogue of the dream? How does that open um, the meaning a little bit more? I I also remember a technique that we learned in, um, in grad school is that make when you're sharing a dream play with um the verb tense mm. so make the verb present instead of right. past right that's and i found that to be so fascinating mm-hmm. it brings it brings that state of consciousness into the present waking life right. it just is another way of amplifying that that space and having it integrate into your waking life ego Yeah. Another thing this makes me think of is the particularities of your symbol Mm. and and really paying attention to those. Like you could dream of a cat and look it up in a dictionary and it would give you some, you know, broad definition, but that's not your cat. That's not the cat that was in your dream. Like, was it a white cat? Was it like, I dream about my actual pet cat um probably like 60 percent of my dreams she's in Mm -hmm. 
Um, so like, that's her, she's, she's a different cat than like, and I also have dreams of wild cats, you know, like mm -hmm. that's a different cat. And a kitten is a different kind of cat. They're all, they all bring their own qualities. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I know that, uh, they can just like, and this is sort of like an overarching theme to, to touch all of our questions. And we said a little bit about this before, but how the, the images, the symbols from the dream, the more that they're worked with, the more they change. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's almost like staring at this like infinite portal and, and how like, you know, your pet cat could turn into like, let's just make this up like a, a wildlife tiger. And then that tiger can turn to the kitten and then the kitten turns into a bird and then the bird is telling you this message to then go over here it's like this infinite little dance that mm -hmm. threads all of these symbols together and even as you're doing that kind of I guess I would categorize that as like active imagination and watching the symbols change it's like your then your um your your waking consciousness is also participating with that unconscious material. Mm. So then the two are sort of doing this dance in a different way than they do in dream, but in just this like waking way. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. It reminds me of kind of what we came in with today of trusting psyche. Yeah. Trusting mm. what shows up, you know, in that sort of active, active imagination, meditative space. It also makes me think of, again, the idea that each, your, your, your dream symbols have their own mythology yeah. that evolves over time. Mm -hmm. And like, so like for me, cat means something different than for you. Mm -hmm. And just like, it shows how it shifts. Like I used to dream of cats all the time before I had a cat, but now when my pet cat shows up in the dream, it's like, okay, that is it's a domesticated version of that or mm -hmm. it has a relationship to the ego now right mm. yeah interesting mm. it's also like as we've touched on before like there's personal and there's collective kind of interwoven all the time and and another kind of really wonderful way to help land dreams somewhere is to find a corollary in mythology mm -hmm. you know because that can really open things up and I find when I can land in mythology I I almost like find that oh I found a place in the cosmos like mm -hmm. I'm not alone yeah I'm not like weird for this or you know uh yeah it's like a sense of belonging somewhere mm -hmm. you know um I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also makes me think of uh, synchronistic uh, images mm -hmm. that come up uh, after you have a sort of big dream. Mm. Um, I know someone very close to me in particular uh, has frequent dreams of crows and and then, like, had an incident where a crow was, like, on her doorstep the next morning or, like, flew into her window or something. Or, mm. um, 
and and you know this is a person in particular that you know is very very curious and open to dream life but you know isn't maybe like every single day participating with it or like in this deep process with their dreams but that those series of synchronicities caught her attention Mm. yeah that just shows also like the fluidity between dream life and waking life it's all just psyche speaking to you Mm -hmm. and like who's to say this isn't the dream right you know right oh right the world is dreaming all the time Yeah. yeah yeah i think we should maybe define synchronicity for some people mm. um one definition is it is an a causal connecting principle mm. so it's like if yeah the example that you just gave pilar if you dream about a crow and then the next day one's at your front door mm. that is there's a connection between those images mm-hmm. but we don't the connection isn't necessarily causal. It's, um, it's a mystery what causes that. It's, and that's not the point really, but there's a connection there that is meaningful. Right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a natural process of meaning making when we have these synchronistic events or like synchronistic numbers or Mm -hmm. like particular words or, you know, it our our psyche likes to, uh, you know, project out onto objects or people in order for us to see it back at ourselves, um, and and to make a a correlation between those patterns. Right, humans are also just naturally like our you know physical and very you know sort of scientific realm here, like our we are we feel safe when we recognize a pattern we feel safe when like we walk into the same room every day and the furniture is in the same place you know if you imagine like walking into your therapist's office or your bedroom and your furniture is assembled in different places every time or there's different colors it's like you're constantly having to reorient to that process so when when we figure when we see the thread and and feel into the pattern of these synchronistic events uh it's another way to access our unconscious it's Mm -hmm. another way to access and have that dialogue yes Mm -hmm. yes to have feel those um and make meaning of those those messages that are coming through right so it's any um connection any correlation that you find subjective meaning in Mm. Would be a synchronicity. And that's a, a term from Young, by the way. Yeah, love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I I feel like the um this topic is so big that yeah. we could do multiple totally podcasts about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering if this is a good place to wind down. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, at least for, you know, this is episode two of us and we're so thrilled to be doing this project together. Um, If you have any questions or like topics that you want 
love that for us to cover and explore together please reach out to us mm-hmm. um, we are on instagram and you can find us of course you, know, you can write a review um that would you know help beef up our our podcast as well and show your support um but yeah for today i think we covered some pretty big intro pieces that you know each each little like minute of what we talked about could be other little infinite spaces totally um yeah it's a beast we wield it oh dreams dreams are beasts um and they're 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 medicine yeah so so try to you know uh engage your dreams tonight and yeah catch Mm -hmm. one and write it down and just start to yeah dialogue Mm. well thanks for tuning in everyone bye bye next time